This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, Joe, my host, Dan. No Nick this morning, but Dan, we've got a midweek Matt Law update coming, don't we? Well, look, uh, Matt isn't the hardest working journalist in the world right now, at least the world of Chelsea, because it seems like every time we want to talk to him, there's another story dropping. And uh, Matt, uh, you know, how are you feeling in in the throes of it all? How am I feeling? Tired. Tired. (laughs) It's like, uh, what are we up to now? I'm saying that we've had three weeks of nonstop madness now, because on Saturday, we're talking on... uh, we're talking Thursday afternoon in, in the UK. And on Saturday, it will be three weeks since that trustees announcement. So I, I put it as I put this as three weeks now of just complete madness and not a proper day off or time to rest. So yeah, it's it's insane. I did the work, I've never known anything like it. It's insane. <laughs> Does it feel like more more like three years? I don't feel like that feels like three weeks at all. <laughs> I know. It feels like a lifetime, doesn't it? To think to think that kind of uh, just over four weeks ago, I was sat in Abu Dhabi uh, and, you know, Roman Abramovich was sat about sort of 500 yards away in the in the VVIP area, as it was called in Abu Dhabi. And Chelsea were becoming world champions. To think how the world has changed and Chelsea has changed is absolutely head spinning. That is a crazy timeline that we're all sitting here uh, living through. So, again, uh, because of that, we have more... Uh, updates on the latest ongoings at Chelsea from sanctions to sales. So if we jump right into the current sanctions and the status of those, Matt, what's the latest on the issue important to most importers, which is the club being allowed to sell or give away tickets? I mean, really open to creative solutions here. Do you think there will be a resolution before more Middlesbrough moments where Chelsea have an allocation but can't make them available for supporters? That's what they're trying to do. I mean, they're working very... I know the club were working very hard to try and get some sort of solution in time for Middlesbrough. And before, before they sort of end up having a bit of a public spat with Middlesbrough over it, um, they actually convinced Middlesbrough to push back that deadline uh, to try and get an agreement with the government. And I know they were very frustrated that the government didn't work with them quicker from their point of view to try and get ticket sales sorted for that game. Those discussions are just ongoing, you know, and... I know Chelsea are trying to do it quickly. I know that they're frustrated at the time it's taken. And it's really impossible to predict because I would have predicted last week that they would have had some amendment ready for the Middlesbrough game if you'd have asked me to predict last week. So now I don't really want to make any predictions. But the the international break helps everybody. And also, you know, if in, in the meantime, Chelsea are sold or a, a long way down with a the sale, then... And it becomes irrelevant anyway because those sort of uh, the license on Chelsea will then lift it automatically in any case. So, Matt, you're kind of you're thinking about the other impacts of it. You know, there's additional restrictions in how they can spend funds, how they can travel. Are there any updates on the license, which I think is like the modification? Because I think there's two issues at stake, right? There's how do they sell tickets, um, which 
feels like could be solved by something called escrow, which the real estate industry just really understands how to do perfectly. Um, so maybe one of our real estate moguls who's trying to buy the club could help uh, <laughs> offer some opinion there. Uh, but then also uh, getting kind of the necessary funds unlocked to kind of restore a little bit more business as usual until the sale is finalized. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but on, on this, it's how long's a piece of string, you know, it's, it's for the government to decide. It's, it's not a process that can be speculated on. I know that Chelsea, for instance, asked about whether they are allowed to give um, tickets away for free under the terms of the license, and they haven't received any full clarity on that. That wouldn't be really a long-term solution for them anyway, although it would be a nice gesture for the supporters for one game, which I think Chelsea would have been prepared to do. The, the, the difficulty with that is that Chelsea simply need, while they can't be absolutely certain yet that a, of when a takeover will go through, they need some certainty that some operating revenue will come in. So giving the tickets away for free is not really a sustainable long-term option, even just for a few weeks, just because that would then give the government the, the sort of ability to say, well, we've sorted your ticket problem. You don't need to sell tickets. We'll let you give them away for free. That wouldn't solve Chelsea's issue of needing some operating revenue from, from that. In terms of the travel, a one-off amendment has been made to allow them to, to get up and down from Middlesbrough because there's no trains back from Middlesbrough because of the ridiculous kickoff time. That's the FA's fault, not the government's fault, but that's another, another layer of, level of some stupidity to this that the game has been organised so you can't actually get a train back from Middlesbrough. So allowance has been made for that and an amendment has been made. So I, I believe their travel their their sort of plans for Middlesbrough won't be that diff too much different from from what they're used to um but that's not a lasting amendment that's a one-off amendment for the game so they still need a lasting amendment to carry them forwards past the Middlesbrough game if a sale were not to go through in time for their next away game of course I think Brentford is after the international break which is a home game yeah, while most of us fans don't really enjoy international breaks, uh, I think this will probably be a welcome time uh, at the club. Oh, yeah, they need they actually the, the the international break could be a godsend for them because it it just allows some space to try and work with the government on what both parties believe is a is a sustainable license, and also they will hope to make major, major, major progress with a takeover. Um, yeah, that they, they, that this international break is crucial for everybody at Chelsea. So yeah, I, I appreciate they're not the most popular things in the world, but this one is a bit of a godsend, to be honest with you. Well, you know, different situations. You know what I'm saying? Right now, it's uh, it's a little bit different. Uh, Dan, I think we should go ahead and hit the ad break. When we get back, we're going to talk all about the sales. So thank you to sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, I just figured we get that out of the way, Dan, because if we talk about the sale of Chelsea Football Club, it could spiral. Oh, look, mm -hmm. we talked about that. What was the thing a couple of years ago? It was like hot days ahead. We got hot days ahead in the bidding war for Chelsea. Uh, and Matt, maybe just as we start to talk about uh, likely candidates and maybe kind of their fitness of their bid, what the status is, and kind of drill into those specifically, uh, can you just provide maybe what your best understanding is at the moment around uh, what is, I guess, being called now Project Caesar by Rain? is what the criteria they're using in the process, what the kind of specifics are, and what we should expect over the next 28, 48, uh, 24, 48, 72 hours? So, so the process is this. On, on Friday, the bidding will shut at 5 p.m. Eastern time as Rainbanker are based in New York. So for UK listeners, that is 9 p.m. I'll have to let you all do your different 
maths on that. Um, it's officially shut at that point. Uh, Rain have warned bidders that the first bid may well be treated as the last. They may, they may not be given an opportunity to, to bid again, so they have to submit what they feel are their best possible bids. Um, interestingly, one to three bidders could be taken forward in the process. That's not necessarily to start bidding again or to move into another process. That would be to move forward into the governmental Chelsea checks, the government checks, uh, onto the Premier League checks. So you could get two or three uh, parties actually being put through the checks before a winner is announced. It could be also that one is just picked um, and then they just move forward with one. That, that's what people are being told. Um, there will be no tax relief for, for Chelsea or Fodstrom, Roman Abramovich's company, on the sale, given that the funds are all going to charity. Um, and yeah, and it's called Project Caesar. So I, I think that's all the sort of specifics of where we are. That I know Rain Group have re-communicated to parties that this needs to be a fast process. So I think that most parties are working with the assumption that uh, whether it be one, two or three parties who move forward past the bidding, that they would hope to have clarity on who the winner is potentially uh, sort of towards the end of next week, I would imagine. That sounds like a fun weekend for the Rain Group uh, coming up if they're going to start working at close of business on Friday. Um, that's... Yeah, but they, they will, they will, I mean, you know, a lot of these bids will will go in before that sort of, uh, of course. close the business deadline. I mean, we obviously know that the Todd Bowley bids in. I'd, I'd imagine that the Ricketts bid will go in within the next 24 hours. So that they will have a, they will have a picture in their minds. It obviously allows for a last minute crazy bid or also allows for the fact that maybe a bid that they think is going to be better than it actually ends up being on paper. But that I would imagine even by sort of Friday morning, they will have quite a clear picture in their minds already of what, what they feel is going to happen through the day. Matt, when you think about the criteria or the rubric that they're using in their decision-making or their evaluation process, I mean, previously there was you know, direction from Abramovich about how he wanted the sale to be conducted. Rain now is working to sell, kind of now has to consider what the UK government will or won't accept. How is that maybe shaping what the criteria is? Because I think some people think, oh, biggest bid is going to win. Uh, that is not the way this type of auction is working. No, and, and the Premier League, remember, it's still got to get through a Premier League directors and owners test, which is very different from the government. The government just need to really be satisfied um, that this this new party or group, whoever they, they feel is the winner, doesn't have any links to, obviously, Mr. Abramovich. Um, they'll also have to be satisfied that the funds, that the, the party are, have the funds and are okay to put the funds into some sort of holding um, pattern before they then go off to good causes. They're, they're not making fit and proper persons tests. They, they might, you know... <laughs> If someone came forward who was clearly a, a, a big political problem, they might have something to say. But they're, they're not conducting the owners and directors test. That will still be the Premier League. So there's still two things to get through, and they're very different things, really. And also, all parties, um, the government, Reign, and the Premier League in these checks, will want to be clear that this is something that can be done quickly. So if there looks to be some sort of consortium that is a nightmare to pick through or very time-consuming to pick through, they, can, they could well just be sidelined on that process because they haven't got six weeks, two months, three months to pick through 
um, a process which you know in normal circumstances they'd be prepared to do so there's all that to factor in so you're right whilst um a certain level of bid won't be considered i wouldn't imagine i can't imagine anyone bidding under two billion for instance is going to get very far it, it could easily be that you have one group who bids closer to three billion than another group but that d doesn't end up being the most attractive bid Chelsea as well do get a say in this you know it hasn't been we've got to remember that the club has not been seized from Roman Abramovich it's been fruit frozen therefore they do still get a say and and they will want to be confident I'm told that the prospective owners or the, the bidders who are put forwards are bidders they are confident who will be good custodians of the club as well and have the club's best interests at heart and also want to develop the way the club in a way that they are happy with um, again, that could rule out some people who are potentially bigger bidders or, or lower bidders. There's loads to consider. It's not just an auction. And it's it's a very, very unique process. Hence, we've seen so many people go on the record. Usually these things are very quiet processes. But because it's, it's out there that it's for sale, it's the first of its kind in terms of just being put on the market and the way it's being sold, it's become a very public process. But it, it's not as simple as that it's an auction. If it were an auction at the moment, you would probably put the Ricketts family in the lead just because they, they've teamed together with Ken Griffin, who is, is clearly the most valuable guy in this process at the moment. He's worth about £20 billion. If it was just a case of asking someone to write the biggest check, Ken Griffin would be able to write the biggest check, but check, but more, more is going to go into it than that. Which, again, this is just crazy. And again, for the timeline to be so tight yet, you know, Abram Abramovich's team saying, but we want to make sure that you're going to be good caretakers, custodians of, you know, essentially what I've done, which obviously you can never really get too many guarantees. Once you sell, you're, you're, you're out. Um, you know, it, I, I just, I think if you like, Dan, you put them in buckets and you're kind of juggling these things. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see where everything shakes out. I would just like to say for the record, I haven't heard a lot out of Conor McGregor, which is either a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Uh, right. Yeah, Conor McGregor's gone quiet. The the Turkish guy Musim Bayrak's gone a little bit quiet. Um, you know, uh, look, there's so many names; it's very difficult, and it's impossible to check on them all. You know, obviously, a lot of people are talking about um, whether there'll be a Saudi bid or not. You know, someone who comes on here, Nizar Kinsella, has obviously reported on that, and you know, I I, I trust him; he's he's a, he's a good source of information. I personally haven't been able to found, find out too much information on a potential Saudi bid. The, the red flag on a potential Saudi bid is is, is twofold, really. It, it's whether uh, politically, even if they weren't uh, involved with any government or, or the royal family over there, politically, whether that would be seen as a problem. Obviously, the UK deal a lot with, with Saudi, so who knows? But just in terms of a Saudi consortium to make the necessary checks that there were no links back to anywhere that involved uh, Newcastle and their ownership, because the Premier League rule is, is that you cannot own two Premier League clubs um, and that the money behind it couldn't come from the same place. That would be seemingly a very complicated check to make. So just doing a quick deal with a Saudi consortium, even if they could prove that they're... Uh, legitimate let's say um feels extremely difficult to do a quick deal on that's why that one is difficult that that rumor or that report from nizar i wouldn't i shouldn't say rumor i should say report from nizar because he has good sources is very difficult one to check yeah well 
so I think we started to kind of get into uh, maybe the specific bids. You know, if you were, kind of, you know, it sounds like you might think that that one is, you know, could be like a likely like outside shot or potentially lacking the credentials. For... I don't look. I don't know about the the problem is is I don't know about the credentials on it. You'd, you'd be better doing a pod with Nidar on the Nizar on the credentials of it. All I know is I've been told by several people that it looks extremely complicated to do a quick deal on that one. And it has been stressed and stressed and stressed by rain and communicated to the bidders that this has to be quick. Otherwise, Chelsea go out of business. And then on the, the second, the, the only other second point I would make on a, on a Saudi type bid, you've got to remember T Thomas Tuchel has been amazing in all this, amazing ambassador for Chelsea. Does he really want to spend the rest of his Chelsea career uh, answering questions about human rights and, and, and things like that. You know, surely there is an appetite from within the club as well to move forward with an owner whereby people can concentrate on football again. Surely. So if you were then to go after, I mean, we've kind of talked about a few of them here on the, the pod already, but just who are the legitimate contenders? If you were narrowing the field down to, to your three, um, based upon what you're sourcing, what you're hearing, who are the three, if three make it forward, or one of the three makes it forward that you would not be surprised are considered the top candidate or a top candidate. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's no big surprises really. If I if I'm honest with you, you know, you guys will know more about him than me in terms of his part ownership of the LA Dodgers. But but Todd Bowley seems like a very very credible, legitimate bidder to me from what I can tell. He he's owned sports franchises. He has ownership within women's sports franchises, which Chelsea will definitely like. Um, he, Everybody knows he has the money. He's put forward the bid. It's a small consortium of just three people at the moment. Three fairly inoffensive people, I should say, in terms of business. Therefore, one would imagine both government and Premier League would be able to pick through it fairly quickly. Um, he has links already with it at, with, at Chelsea because he's made a bid for Chelsea before. There's a lot there. Obviously, there's been a little bit of fun had by the fact that the, the latest name on that consortium, the third man, Jonathan Goldstein, is a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. Um, he is there for his... It's been made clear that he is there for his property experience. Um, I think any legitimate bid should have property experience. That's not to say Chelsea fans would want a property developer as their next owner. But a lot of property comes within Chelsea, not just redeveloping Stamford Bridge, but, you know, the shopping centre next to... Uh, Stamford Bridge is up for sale that has been touted as a potential uh, room for growth for, for Chelsea were a new owner to purchase that shopping centre there is still property around Stamford Bridge that uh, a new owner could buy so it makes perfect sense to have some sort of property now on a bid and who they support or don't support if they're not the lead person on the bid probably isn't that relevant but I, I appreciate it, it's a topic for fans to talk about um the Ricketts family, again, you know, the three Americans all have experience of owning or having part ownership of sports franchises and doing things within that. So that that definitely helps their credibility. The Ricketts family, big plus for them is that they've already done a redevelopment of Wrigley Field. That cost about $1 billion. It's in a heavily built up area. You guys might know better than me. Apparently, it's right in the center of Chicago in heavily housed area. Obviously, you can make comparisons to... to currently where Stamford Bridge lie with that. The, 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 the former worry on the Ricketts family was that they didn't look like they had the cash to do a takeover of Chelsea. 
Ken Griffin's involvement would seemingly give them the cash to do so. Although what, one thing I would say on that is we do not know how heavy Ken Griffin's involvement is. Is he funding an entire bid and prepared to write a check? Or is he just putting up a certain amount of money, let's say for the record, 500 million or 1 billion? That would be different if there's a limit on the amount of money he's putting forward. And we don't actually know that. Um, there have been some controversies around the Ricketts family, uh, most notably an email scandal. Joe Ricketts, the father that, that, that uh, was involved in that, he, the people close to the bid insist that Joe Ricketts is not part of the, the Chelsea bid. It's the, it's the, it's the siblings. Um, minus one of them, I think, men, minus maybe Pete. Um, but that still will cause a hurdle for them. You know, that, that, that is undoubtedly a problem for them. Um, and whether that, from a PR perspective, and also obviously the fact that Chelsea have Muslim players who might have their own views on that, whether that's a huge red flag, I don't know at the moment, but it is a red flag. Uh, we have Woody Johnson, who seems to have an absolutely ruinous ownership of the New York Jets. Um, I, I don't quite know. I want to be fair to them. I want to be fair to them all. I don't quite know what, what good things I can say about Woody Johnson, other than he's owned a sports franchise and he has money. I've, I've struggled to find too much good to, to re-report on Woody Johnson. So I'm assuming he wouldn't be the most popular choice with the Chelsea fans who knew, know anything about the New York Jets and who know anything about him. Then the, then the British bids, you know, Lord, Lord Coe and Martin Broughton, who are both big Chelsea fans, came, came from left field last night. Uh, they would not be their money. They're working with an investment, with a, with a banker called Mark Klein, I think it is, who uh, is involved in trying to pull the investment together. We're still not quite sure where the money is coming from on that, which is a little bit of an uncertainty. Um, but they, they have gone on the record saying that they will make a bid. And they have, interestingly, they have the sports agency, CAA, involved with them. Hmm. That, to me, looks like a potential difficulty in terms of the Premier League because CAA, for instance, uh, and CAA have various arms. You know, they are not just football agents. And this is obviously a different arm of their company. But, for instance, CAA look after Huingman Son at Tottenham. Were Chelsea to ever get taken over by a company that had um, advice given to them by CAA or any involvement from CAA. I'm pretty sure if they ever made a bid for Huingman Son, Daniel Levy would have quite a lot to say. Um, so that looks tricky in terms of their involvement and the potential for cries of conflict of interest. But there is also a lot of pro their bid. You know, Sebastian Coe is very close already to the Chelsea board. He would have a knowledge of how Chelsea worked. He is a Chelsea supporter. He's heavily involved in politics in the Conservative Party. He will have a lot of contacts in government. He would be seen as quite a, a clean guy to front the bid. Martin Broughton, as well, is a Chelsea supporter. He was chairman of Liverpool for a time. He helped them get them through a sort of uh, transitional stage through owners and is spoken of well. So he has experience. So there's a lot of experience, good experience there as well. Um, Nick Candy hasn't got the money together yet, so it will be very interested by close of business on, on Friday whether 
Nick Kenzie and Gianluca Viali have the investment to bring forward. But he he continues to tell us that he is uh, he is there and he's going to make us a bid. So, and I wouldn't be surprised if there'll, there'll be things going on that we don't know about. That there will be parties scurrying together trying to form consortiums and bids in time for the deadline who we don't not yet know about who may make themselves public before the deadline who could be made public by leaks before the deadline or might only become obvious after the deadline wow that's quite the laundry list (laughs) of individuals and uh we appreciate you speaking through them so fully up into this point you know i guess are there if you had a gut feeling on out of that list onto who is who's the group that you feel like based upon your research based upon what you've seen them say based upon what's out there and available feels like the best stewards for Chelsea at this moment uh kind of given all the stances you know external stances uh kind of challenges is there one that stands out Wow, you know that is such a tough question because I'm just—I'm I'm only privy to what I can read and what I'm—I'm I'm told about them and by them, and so it's such a tough question. Um, to answer it in a slightly different way, because I—I can't—I can't actually accurately answer that question. It wouldn't be fair because it would be a guess. To put it a different way, try and to try and give you some sort of answer, but I'm answering a slightly different question with this. I would be surprised if both or neither of the Bowley or Ricketts bids didn't advance. I I would be surprised if it weren't one or both of them getting through the bidding process with the money they have behind them and the sports franchise experience they have within their groups and the fact that they've both made... Actually, I, I should have previously said Ricketts have made a bid for Chelsea before in 2018. The fact they both have the contacts, the fact they both have the money, and the fact that they both have this sports franchise experience, it would be a massive surprise if neither of those groups got through the first bidding process to me and got advanced. Whether they both did, can speculate, but it would be a massive surprise if at least one of those didn't. Woody Johnson seems to have a few more red flags. Don't quite know on him. If, if Co and Broughton have got the money behind them, which... Unfortunately, I just don't know because we don't know who's financing them. I would also, I would also think as long as they've got the money behind them that they would have a good chance of being advanced. And if they were to fall down, it would maybe be later in the process when possibly the concerns over uh, any cries of um, conflict of interest or any complications arising there might become more of an issue. Um, but currently, as we stand, that's probably the best way I can answer that question i mean can i throw it back at you guys do you have a favorite bid at the moment (laughs) oh um i would say i'm not a fan of the uh the ricketts bid uh or uh some of the things that uh, andy saunders uh, from the chelsea podcast others have shared about uh mr about the candy man um i do not know enough about uh sir martin or lord sebastian yet um uh, I think there are a lot of legitimate concerns about the Saudi media group and uh, maybe their potential uh, connections to uh, state government. I mean, 
Bully just spent 162 million with the Dodgers on uh, securing uh, a pretty key player for their franchise, and so if you're talking about spending the money to win uh, after winning a title, that's a, that's a good thing to kind of show intent. Um, and to your point, uh, the Jets uh, are generally and perennially more of a joke in uh, in sport. Uh, <laughs> But also, you know, I mean, you, you don't get to be the head of an NFL team without at least a, a little bit of uh, business experience. So, I, I mean, I think to me, it's it's you know, to- Tommy and Todd going into the future uh, working together. But uh, I, I don't know, Brandon, if you've got a different perspective. I, you know, I, what I find so fascinating, Matt, is why I'm so appreciative that you and so many journalists are covering kind of like all these different lanes is that they'll bring something different to the table, right? Whether it's development, analytics, kind of, you know, I, uh, it's just like the cl- Chelsea will know maybe where their opportunities are far better than we will on the outside looking in. And like I said, hopefully they keep that into consideration. Um, I think that, you know, investment is always going to be key. I just, I've kind of, you know, just made my piece, Matt, that the best times have been had and that it's going to be a different way of operating and we don't know how it's going to be, but. Um, you know, putting two at least two billion into just acquiring the asset, and then you know how much is left for future investment is going to take a little while. So, um, yeah, it's look, it's going to be it's going to be different. There's not going to be it, it's extremely unlikely there's going to be anyone out there who's going to be prepared to just write off a 1.5 billion loan. But different doesn't have to mean worse. You know, different doesn't have to mean worse. There are different ways of of doing things and. One thing that slightly frustrated me, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, is this slight feeling of um, I get pushback, certainly on social media, of we just don't want any Americans. I, I, I don't really like that because there have been some bad examples of American owners, but there have also been some good examples of American owners. You know, I know they balance the books, but Liverpool's owners have got to have been seen to do a good job. They got a fantastic manager in. They've worked out a fantastic system of how to stay competitive and uh, take advantage of the market without having to necessarily spend the, the, the really, really big money, or certainly by um, speculating to accumulate a little bit. And then, you know, I'm talking about my own club. We're part owned by an American. We have an American and Egyptian, and it's been absolutely incredible for us. So I, I don't like this generalization. You know, there are bad owners and there are good owners. I don't think there are good owners and there are American owners. I, that, I, I don't like that. Um, yeah. Similarly, I, I wouldn't want to do that about any other. So I, I hope people don't get wrapped up in that because I, I just find that a little bit silly, really. Right. We've seen the polls. I mean, we're, we're out there. Look, the first four years or whatever, like the most common negative review we got was our accent talking about Chelsea. Like we're very aware of it. Christian coming to Chelsea. But um, at the end of the day, like I was I didn't want to touch on that because like you just want an owner who's going to, you know, invest in the club and give you every chance to succeed and hopefully have some kind of, you know, uh, connection with the fans uh, to at least hear their voice so they can try to make some um you know some some progress towards that together which i think a lot of these bids at least some of them are are already talking about um you know fan on the board and things like that and try to have a a bit more of a direct connection not that most clubs don't already yeah yeah matt when you think about uh kind of the post 
selection identification process what are the motions that the bidder is going or the selected bidder and purchaser is going to have to go through uh, and and how quick do you envision that process could be like i know we talk about like this has to be done quickly but there's a lot of like checks that have to like not just checks that have to be cashed but checks oh, that have to be completed well, they're trying, <laughs> rain of rain have been quite clever in that they've tried to take some of those checks away by basically telling bidders that we're only going to consider your bid with a whole lot of legal proof attached to it. That wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily always be the case at this stage. So people are having to give a lot of legal proof and guarantees of funds and all sorts of other things that I don't understand because I'm not a business journalist that um, make it a different process to where you'd be normally at this stage with just normal bids going in. You know, it's not as simple as emailing over a few copies of a few uh, bank statements and stuff like that, or your council tax bill for English listeners to this. So Rain, I think within the bidding process have been clever to take away some of that process. So who who they progress with will have already gone through um, what should be the legal and the legal checks of funds and all kinds of things like that, which should speed that side of it up moving forwards. I mean, the government can be quite slow, but I don't think that the government check should take very long at all. You know, assuming that they proceed with someone that they believe the government will will green light or parties that they believe the government will green light. As I say, the government check should only really be around making sure that there's no sort of link to, to Roman Abramovich or, or anybody else who's under sanction. So that that that, that should be a very painful simple process premier league have told us that they the fastest uh, fit and proper test they've ever done is 10 days and they actually think they can beat that record again that would depend on who the individuals were so look in terms of having a, someone in actual situ if someone actually raced through it you could have someone in situ in in sort of two weeks but it's just how how quick they can and they want to go um so, again, that's very hard to speculate. I mean, someone said to me, within six weeks is realistic. Within six weeks is realistic. And other people say, if it's the right person, and if there's a will to do it super fast, maybe even two weeks, maybe even in time for when Chelsea are next in the Champions League. So, it's very hard to say, though. All, all we know is time is of the absolute essence and mm-hmm. is just as key to the money on this deal and that's what makes it so unique yeah no it, it absolutely is and like i said just thank you for coming on and you know i'm sure you're just drowning in this information so for you to continue <laughs> to to regurgitate it over and over and over uh is, is I'd just uh, like helpful. i'd like to apologize in advance as well if anyone re uh, listens to this and finds that things have moved on a little bit because i'm finding i'm finding it hard enough to even write articles and, and put them out online that remain relevant for, for three or four hours, let alone uh, putting out podcasts and things like that. So if, if anything's moved forward, then then do please be understanding of the fact that this is one of the most fluid stories I've probably ever covered. I can only... The, the, nice, the nice thing is, is after, after Friday night, at least, even if it's more than one party, at least we, we have a group to, to work with and work on rather than this constant to in back and forth between different parties and different rumors, which is proving very difficult. And I'd imagine it's difficult for fans when 
people come out and say make big claims and say big things and it's it's hard to know how seriously to take them sometimes yeah no absolutely but again matt appreciate you jumping on taking some time to break it down um we'll continue to have more updates uh as we can uh we'll stay on this very fluid situation as best we can obviously um covering it every angle we can i think dan we even have a couple things for international break we're planning as well around this yeah you know just like a like a, a 15 suggestions for a new owner whoever they might be from uh from a fan perspective on what they could do to endear themselves to chelsea and many other things about just uh what the future uh the possibility can be of the future because i think to matt's point it doesn't have to be bad it's just going to be different future can be exciting future can be exciting yeah it doesn't need to be a big worry. It doesn't need to be a big worry. Like, let's remember, Chelsea have won a lot in the Roman Abramovich era, but it's not like they've won the league every single season. There, there are different ways of breaking an egg, and the future can be exciting. I think everyone should look forward to the future. Oh, we don't really have a choice. It's happening, so might as well <laughs> embrace it. All right, anyways, that's going to wrap us up, Chelsea fans. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>